Hey, welcome to our podcast. You're watching Cultivate, brought to you by Bovida, connecting you to the people and the new processes in the cannabis industry. Remember, never dry buy. Just kidding. Never buy dry. So today we've got another fun interview lined up with Keystone Labs. We're going to dive into kind of what they do. Um, They're in Canada, so it's a little bit different than here in the States. Um, But we're going to dive into kind of their process, what the role they play in the cannabis industry, um, and then just how all of the testing has to go through them. You're listening to Cultivate, a podcast about the people and technology that are blazing a trail in the cannabis industry. Welcome to another episode of uh, Cultivate, and today's special guest is Keystone Labs. Our friends Jody and Rod, Jody McDonald and Rod Sarka are with us from Keystone Labs. How you doing? Doing great. Happy and, to be here. And we're actually in Toronto filming this right now, which is kind of cool. So this is exciting. Yeah, we're here for the Lyft show and we actually met our friends from Keystone Labs at a Lyft show in Vancouver a few years ago. 2016. 2016. Yeah. Wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. So it's three lifts ago. Three lifts ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple of the most pleasant people I've ever met at a show. And uh, unbeknownst to me, you were new. It looked like you'd been in the industry for a long time, but you were new. And Brand we, new. we got into some uh, conversation about your business. So, do, do you remember what your expectations were at the Vancouver show? And can you talk about how things have changed uh, now? Sure. We had just started doing cannabis testing. We had just launched at the Vancouver show our Keybox test, which was a personal cannabis test kit. Mm-hmm. We thought we were going to sell out. We brought two bags full of kits and we sold four. <laughs> um, so that was a little eye-opening. And then since then, we've we've started to develop a brand and people recognize us at the shows and, and now we can sell a bag full of kits. That's awesome. Yeah. You're here and you're back. Uh, you're, uh, anytime we have people come back to the next show, it's always a big relief because typically in the cannabis industry, 80% of the exhibitors are not the same next year. Uh, there's so much attrition in this young fledgling business that um, you, you start seeing some of the same people. And we had a cordial and friendly relationship immediately. We did. Because you're so friendly and so pleasant. <laughs> so are you. Yeah. And so is Rob. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed. 100%, as they say. Up yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you talk about what your expectations were when you started Keystone Labs and how it's blossomed and how it's different from what you expected? Sure. So I started Keystone Labs in 2005. We were a pharmaceutical test lab. We're providing third-party testing for health innovation companies in Canada and really around the world. Hmm. And then in 2013, we started to see a change in the people who were calling us. Small home growers were asking us if we could do testing for them and I thought no <laughs> and then the more they called the more I started to think maybe there's maybe I got to think about this a little bit so in 2015 we were licensed by Health Canada to do cannabis testing and then we met you guys at the Vancouver show in 2016 and you showed up with your pr- uh, premier product the, that's the right T-box. the key box the key box key box unlock your testing unlock your results unlock yeah. your results it was a gr- very catchy uh, very mm-hmm. wonderful branding opportunity and how did that go yeah, well, we were super excited for launching our first product. So we showed up with two bags full of key boxes and we sold four. 
Um, <laughs> and since then, we've been able to sort of develop some brand following. People recognize us at the show, and we can sell our bags full now. So, what is the key box? What what is it exactly? So it's a personal cannabis test kit. So yep. anybody who's growing at home or doing extractions at home, or if they're accessing products that they're not sure of of the integrity of the product mm-hmm. they're buying, uh, they can do a small chemistry experiment at home. They send it back to us in the lab, and we run it in the same way we do the commercial testing for the big producers. Wow. And then we email you a test report that looks very similar to what we sent to the licensed producers. That's very cool. Yeah. So do you find other people uh, copying your process and, and working on kits, the similar approach that you've had to Not, making it easy for the consumer? We haven't seen it yet. With, there are some real-time test kits that are available. They're not always reliable. So this isn't real time. This is something you do a small chemistry work at home. You do all the sample preparation for us. And then we, it takes about five days from the time we get it back in the lab for us to send you results. But there are uh, products available that give you sort of a sense, sort of a, we call it a pH test. Yep. It's just sort of bucket chemistry. Yep. People are looking at, is it there? Or is it not there? Hmm. And why, why is it so important to test cannabis? I mean, I think as the industry is evolving, you, you're hearing a lot more about testing and the importance of testing. From my perspective, t- testing gives you the opportunity to control what you're what you're using, what you're consuming. Mm-hmm. It also ensures that the product you're using is safe. Yeah, and that's that's really the bottom line for us is about safety, is about protecting the clients who are using the products. And so, when when you're testing, what are you looking for in these tests that are going to say this is a quality, safe product or it's not? So there's in, in Canada, the federal government regulates which tests the licensed producers need to, to do in order to release their products for consumer use. Um, potency is one of them. So looking at THC and CBD content in all the products. And then contamination is the big other group of tests that we do. So um, microbial contamination. So we count how much is there and we also look for specific pathogens. And then there's uh, pesticides testing. So we're looking for the absence of pesticides absence of heavy metals um, and then there's a whole group of toxins that we're looking for that hmm. also we want to be absent interesting what, a, is it interesting yeah no i just i for my own knowledge too i just want to know the process like that a licensed producer has to go through like just from start to finish in terms of testing right so they have a quality assurance person on staff and that that person sort of directs the process flow of of products so once it's packaged it goes into quarantine. They statistically sample the products that have been packaged and send them to us for testing. Once we send them data, that quality assurance person takes a look at all of the production records, and then they verify that the test data we sent them meets the requirements Health Canada has, hmm. and then they release the product into the consumer market. And how long does that whole pro? Is it a quick process, or is it a long? Yeah, it, well, it can take some time. Um, Typical turnaround in the industry right now is about 10 days for testing. Oh, yeah, it's not too bad. I don't know whether I've just become a nerd for nerds, and I don't mean to say nerd in a pejorative way. I have I'll a tell nerd you what badge. That means later. Yeah, I actually don't know what that means. So um, lab people are some of the best people that we meet at shows. And I mean, we had an immediate connection with you and Rod at the show. I mean, it, it, your attitude, your enthusiasm, this whole scientific trip about cannabis and what what we don't know. Uh, so many of us uh, laymen that don't know what this plant's capable of doing, 
Um, so I get to know all these lab people, and I love these lab people. I've really gotten, become fond of you guys. You know that. I've always gone out of my way to say hi to you guys, and we have fun together. But I met this crew from Evo Labs, and I really – oh, they're awesome people. And you've got some recent news about something that happened between you and our friends at Evo Labs. Can you talk about that? Sure. I, we, we met Evo in January in Vancouver, Lyft. Hmm. And they started a conversation with us, and we were looking for a way to kind of grow our business. And Evo said, we are looking for a partner in Canada. So, so we're partners. That's now, awesome. Officially, yeah. That's awesome. So as a disclaimer, I was so fond of these people from Evo Labs, and there's all these startups in the cannabis industry, right? And Evo, these are solid people, really lovely people. And when I get to know managements of companies that I like, I always check out their their public offering page and everything, and I bought a few shares of Evo. So when I heard nice that they got into cahoots with you, I bought a few more shares. Of you. Excellent, <laughs> yeah. excellent. Yeah. So yeah. congratulations, that's Thanks. a big deal. We're really excited. We're so you're internationally aligned now. We, hmm. Does that mean you'll be world. going to trade shows in the U.S.? Uh, possibly. I think they have a team down there. Yeah. We're definitely doing more trade shows in Canada. That's awesome. Yeah. So how many shows do you do a year? A uh, handful, like six maybe. Six, seven. Yeah. And this is probably the best show of, of all we of them. We love Lyft. Yeah, yeah. Lyft, Lyft Vancouver was so productive for us this year. Yeah. So, I mean, when we went to Lyft uh, Toronto, that was actually our first show together. Well, it, technically the second show, but it was all in, in one trip We when we went to Champs in Atlantic City. But um I mean, it was mind blowing. We all of our samples were gone within uh, three hours the yeah. first day. Oh, wow! No, and we, we had no samples the rest of the show. We just stood in the booth waving at people. Yeah, <laughs> and we were new on the scene in Canada. I mean, it was our first big show in Canada. Probably our first trade show in Canada. I think they had twenty thousand people show up. Yeah, and it was. I mean, and then ever since then, Lyft has been just phenomenal for mm-hmm. for us, and everyone that works at Lyft has been great. So. I love I love these shows. Well, and Lyft for us is to Canada what the MJ Biz shows are for us in yeah. the U.S. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So, as far as the competition, as far as the number of labs that uh, have come online as the <laughs> regulatory framework shifts and as things progress, um, how is the competitive marketplace? What do you What do you see? What do you expect? Are we going to have a lot more labs get on board? Is there a demand for a ton of labs? Can you talk about that? Sure. Um, so a year ago, there was a handful, like around 10 labs mm. across Canada. Now there's close to 30. Wow. But Health Canada is changing the regulations. So um, the requirements for capital investment, like buying equipment, is much higher than it was a year ago. So I think we'll see some some labs disappear and we'll see other labs come in their, in their place. Or yeah. some will consolidate with other labs. Sure, yeah. Okay. Is there, do you have a... Any crazy stories from any testing that you've done, or is there Funny any thing? Yeah, we um, so our first show was Vancouver. Yeah, uh, in 2016, we got back to the lab, and within minutes of us walking through the door, the phone rang, and it was uh, the police from <laughs> Vancouver calling us, and both Rod and I are looking at each other like, "What did you do?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, they actually saw us at the show and had collected some samples that they wanted tested. So that was, it was cool huh. to work with them. But in the moment that they said, this is the Delta police calling, we were 
Well, oh, I would worried. be I would be worried. Well, especially if you're overwhelmed with guilt in the first place. It right. really elicits right. a lot we of fear. We haven't been to confession yet, so yeah, it was, it was a big day. So you work with the federal, the, with the feds and with the provincial governments. Is there a connection there? So in Canada, it's the federal government that regulates all the testing. So they say what needs to be tested. The LPs um, choose the samples for testing. We provide test, testing and then Health Canada checks in with both sides. So we've, we've have uh, our federal government is not in line and doesn't doesn't have a plan, uh, at least that they've shared with us uh, yet about how they're going to handle the, the federal cannabis business. So each one of the states is their own jurisdiction, and, and the feds are largely looking the other way. And, and um, it's a real disadvantage for us. I mean, today in California, everybody's complaining about how the regulatory framework has really hampered the growth of the business and even threatened the survival of the business oh, wow. in, uh, for a lot of people in, in California. Um, how is it working with Health Canada? How is and then, I, I, is this one of those softballs where you're going to tell us how great they are? Oh, they're so fantastic! Hello, <laughs> Health Canada. One hundred percent. Yes. 100. They, I mean, they started. I don't think they anticipated the response in 2013 when they rolled out the legislation. Um, quickly after they rolled out our first legislation, there was legal challenges to it, so they've changed it since then and we're moving towards the cannabis act which will allow for adult use legalization um in terms of health canada as a regulatory body they're a government agency so they move as fast as they yeah. want i yeah i've noticed that when we have tried to communicate with them it's it's slow it's well it's like any government mm -hmm. um so we just had an example of how wonderful and polite Canadians are, and we could really take a, a lesson out of their playbook as far as how to talk to regulators, because you guys are so nice. You're so polite. I mean, it's one of the things I love. Have I told you that I love Canadians? Yeah, I think you said it a, a, a few times in the last hour. Yeah, I love Canadians. <laughs> I do. I, I, if I weren't an American, I'd be a Canadian. Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10... 10 being really square, one being really whatever the opposite of square is. Round? <laughs> A so, circle? <laughs> Come so, on now. So, I mean, where are you on the spectrum? Because you're a scientist, first and foremost. Yeah, very square. So pretty, very way square. up there, like a nine, nine square? 10, straight. 10? 10, yeah. Where's, where's Rod on the scale? It, 10 is too low for a rod. Really? Yeah. So you're both pretty rectangular. Yeah. Got some right angles here. Yeah. So how about the conversation about the plant? Mm -hmm. um, how do you personally interact? Are you a cannabis consumer? I am not. Have you tried CBD? I have not. Have Are you open to the idea of trying it? This is not, Absolutely. A, de this is not a deposition. Oh, right. <laughs> I have not tried it this. Mom, it's, I've never tried it. Um, because it's not legal yet in Canada. I, I'm a rules follower. Um, I, yeah, I'm open to trying it. Do you cross at the corner? Of course. Do you wait for the light? Always. Do you ever go in the middle of the block? No. <laughs> oh. Why would you do that? God, I love you. I just think that's so great. Yeah. I'm not a rule follower, if you haven't noticed. but I'm not much of a rule follower. I used to be really not square. I became sort of by necessity rather square. Uh, because I had such a horrendous problem with drugs and alcohol when I was a young man. And then I've been out of that for a long time. And what, 30? 34 years. Oh. So um, I come into the cannabis industry with a sense of um, history and some awe 
about the fact that I'm actually at a cannabis event or that we're having conversations about this. And then I listen to the testimonials of people and how this plant has changed their lives. And it blows me away. I mean, have you, you must hear a lot of stories as you've been hanging around. Do you have any that stand out? We, we get story. I, the phone rings and it's a story. Always. (laughs) There's always a story on the other end. I think probably the most touching stories we hear are from parents who are trying to help their children. Yeah. Those are the ones that really make you believe or at least stop and think more critically about your opinion about the plant for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Buddy of mine, um, who I partied with as a young man, um, he's a guitar virtuoso and he developed a brain, uh, issue called focal dystonia and he lost the use of his hands, which is his livelihood. He also happened to have a son who was suffering from epileptic seizures, a lot Mm. of epileptic seizures to the point where the young man was really challenged with carrying on with his life. And they took on the cannabis uh, uh, therapies uh, to try to help the young man and see if it would impact my friend's uh, playing ability. And it completely changed their lives. To, To hear the testimonials of going from hundreds of seizures a month to maybe one or two. I mean, it's just remarkable. So if uh, if a sample fails, what, what happens then? Does it just get thrown away? So from our perspective, the data is data. It yeah. doesn't, it's not good or bad for us. We just, it's just data. Yeah. But the quality assurance person with the commercial producers then has to make a decision about what, what happens with the plant. Yeah. So with Health Canada's requirements for quality testing, failing test results means they have to destroy the products. Hmm. This question's kind of a stretch coming from Bovida. Um, so the stretch is, do you use humidity control in your process or do you measure water activity in the bud that you analyze? So we don't control humidity. In fact, um, moisture is a critical uh, quality test that we run. So as a product ages and they dry and cure it, um, the humidity has to be at a certain level for it, I think, for somebody who uses it, mm-hmm. there's a key amount of moisture that's critical mm-hmm. um, from a scientific perspective the more water the more bad the product becomes it's a really good breeding ground for fungus mm-hmm. uh, as water water and plant together makes the fungus grow really so do you have a sense of what the water activity is in the cannabis that you analyze i mean uh, it- yeah so health canada has a requirement that a labeled product has to be uh, less than 10 percent moisture so super dry. Super That's dry. Super yeah. dry. Mm-hmm. That almost hurts my throat. I don't even smoke. It hurts my throat yeah. just talking about it. Yeah. No, that would really rip your throat. Especially my throat. It's very sensitive. So important for Boda then. Well, right? yeah. I, yeah, I, there you, we go. You, you can go there if you want to. We're happy to talk about Boda. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd personally, I would recommend using Boda. <laughs> but we don't do this. isn't a commercial for Boda. Nice plug. So at Vancouver in the in the winter, and you came over, and he's like, "Hey, I saw your podcast. I think we only had done an episode or two, so I was surprised yeah, that about two or three that you had seen it, which was really cool for for me to hear." And he's like, "I want to be a part of it," and I'm like, "Yes, let's do it." So here we are. Glad Thanks. you're here. This yeah. is this is Rod Rod Zarka from Keystone Labs. How you doing? Good, and you? Thanks, Drew. I just want to put a plug out, you know, you always talk about how nice we are at Keystone and the guys at Bovida, Drew and Scott have been amazing, always friendly to talk to and always complimentary. So it's been fun. It has. 
Well, we used to think, you know, when we started going to shows, you'd look around and you're a little scared because you wonder if your company is going to make it or not. Or, well, we weren't really scared about that, but a lot of people are. And, but you're up, you're like, who's going to help me? Who's who matters? Who doesn't matter? And then after the third or fourth show, something magical happens, and you go, well, everybody matters, and we're all in this together. And you you become connected to people that have nothing to do with your business. And then as time goes on, the guy at that company that doesn't have anything to do with your business is suddenly the head of this LP. Or they're doing, you know, there's different people move around. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Prime example, Peter from Lyft, who was a, a great friend and was always wonderful to us when he worked at Lyft, now is over at Believe. The LP, which is really cool because he, he reached out and uh, wants to, to talk about working together. But, I mean, it's a prime example. So, yeah, it's always treat people with respect. And Thanks thanks know. for saying that, Rod. Yeah, no problem. Well, and to you, Scott, like, you never want to burn a bridge in this industry, yeah. I don't think, because no. it could come back and haunt you. So. Exactly. That's why, and we saying, gotta, that's why I'm saying very good things about you guys. Yeah. And we got to... That's, that's very strategic. So... <laughs> That's good. So tell us the story about how you got involved with Keystone Labs. Sure. So Jody and I have a a career past. We worked uh, back in early ni- mid nineties. We uh, started at a uh, government research facility in Edmonton, and uh, I've always talked about working together again. Jody, of course, branched out and started Keystone. I went a different route and was working in uh, biotech and pharma companies. And uh, we've always talked about uh, getting the band back together. <laughs> and so in 2016, I had an opportunity to come back and work with Keystone when she got into the cannabis industry to help her with the marketing and business development of that part of the business. So it's been it's been a great two years so far. It's been a lot awesome. of fun. And from your perspective, where where do you see the industry going with new products, innovation? I mean, you probably have a pretty good perspective just doing the sales and marketing and talking to people and being out there on the front lines yeah and one of the things i really think where the business is going to go is the craft grower Mm -hmm. i really believe that i think it's going to be very similar to the uh, craft beer market Mm -hmm. um you get your labats you got your coors light and then those are going to be your canopy grow those are going to be your auroras in canada anyway but you're going to see these craft growers. And I think what I believe is that these underground growers that have been uh, under the radar are going to start popping up with all these new strains that people, I think, will pay $20, $30 a gram for, Yeah, uh, like the beer market. So I really think the craft market is going to be a, a big thing. Uh, for innovation, it seems like the extraction component like CO2 extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of them around. Like when we went to MJ Biz in Vegas, it was extraction and vape pens. Yeah. That really seems to be where the next market is for that. So I the, con- the convenience. I mean, it's absolutely. You have a little pen in your pocket. You're not grinding up flour and packing it into a bowl or whatever, rolling yeah. a joint. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have that. Uh, crazy smell so it's pretty discreet when you can be walking down the road or in your house or wherever and it's yeah yeah convenience and i think the next thing too um 
is with the different strains, and I think the different terpene profiles are going to be really uh, of interest and, and kind of identify uh, different LPs or production facilities with those specific strains and specific profiles mm-hmm. for, you know, and I think that goes back to the craft grower having that specific profile in, in the cannabinoids and the terpenes. So as a scientist and as a, uh, fair to say, a non-cannabis consumer? Correct. Um, how do you, what do you and Jody do to stay, you know how people have continuing education uh, credits when they do mm-hmm. their professional up, upkeep to their certifications and all that? How do you do that? What's the, is there a sec area in this scientific realm that's your, you know, wheelhouse that you really personally love or do you, are you required to do that kind of constant education or how does it work? Well, I'll, I'll say, you know, when, if you were to tell me 10 years ago, I was going to be working in the cannabis industry, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just like, no way. I grew up very strong Roman Catholic family. Uh, cannabis was, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> Same here. Uh, <laughs> Um, and cannabis was a no-no. Like, I'm, and I, I never tried it all through high school. My mother would, have, my mother and father would have probably disowned me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I don't. I knew nothing about it. Never tried it. Don't know the effects of it. So when I first started coming with Key, coming to Keystone and being the man, uh, business development and marketing person for the cannabis portion of Keystone, we had a lot of learning to do. And, and so it was a lot of reading, talking to people, talking to, you know, the people in the industry, the, the personal growers and, and coming to the, uh, to the shows and, and learning. Like it's been, uh, the two years that I've been with Keystone has been, you know, a huge learning curve, exponential. Yeah. And it's still daily learning about this plant. Well, and we assume that, uh, we're behind the times in the states because of the federal limitations and we we respect canadians and we respect the israelis for all the research that happens in these market uh, uh, environments of israel and in canada i mean the canadians have got it together and there's so much happening scientifically in canada and there's so little happening scientific i mean there's more now than there ever has been because of the uh, creeping uh, normalization of, mm-hmm. of cannabis laws but there's still such an open, um, empty locker of information. You know, there's 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 such a lack of research. Um, do, do you agree that that's sort of the the Canadians' lead in that in that department, or how do you how do you? Uh, yeah, see I, th- it? I think uh, they're starting to be leaders. I think you're seeing, and particularly around Canada, a lot of the universities are putting in programs for cannabis. <laughs> uh, you're seeing academia getting more into research of the plant. And now you're also seeing clinical evaluations or clinical trials with cannabis within uh, Canada. So we're starting to get a lot of the data, scientific data that will hopefully help uh, the plant in the long run. You know, in the pharmaceutical industry, they require long clinical trials, you know, human clinical trials, uh, phase one, two and three, which can take up to 10 years to get a product on the market. And so, you know, it'd be nice to get that data for the for the plant and and show people what its capabilities are. Yeah. Awesome. Rod, really appreciate you taking the time to be on the uh, you're you're listening to watching a podcast called Cultivate uh, put on by Bovida, uh, sharing with you the people and the technology that are blazing a trail in the cannabis industry. Rod Zarka from Keystone Labs. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been great. This is awesome.